Longhorn Notebook. All right, so we were talking about the just kind of my concerns with Texas this year because we've talked a lot about the Longhorns and 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 all that other stuff. And uh, I want a little more time to look over this. So next hour in the Longhorn Notebook, Bill Connolly has his 2023 projections uh, with SP Plus and conference wins and all that other fun stuff for the Big Twelve this year and predictions for Texas. And even even in I love in his write up I love what Bill Connolly does at ESPN loved his work back when he was doing uh, just his S and P Plus report now it's the SP Plus with ESPN but his first burning question Jack is Texas back for real this time well, I saw I knew this was going to be fun when I looked last night on the Twitter machine and I actually you know what I I I'll find it real quick because I actually I, I I liked it if you see me like something on Twitter those of you who follow me at Jeff Howe two four seven if you see me like something on Twitter it's usually because not necessarily an endorsement it's so I can go back and find it fairly easily yeah Bill Connolly 23 hours ago just finished tomorrow's Big 12 preview and man if you blow this one Texas dot 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 so Bill Connolly likes the Longhorns we'll get into some of the nitty-gritty coming up in, in the second hour but I've just thought about hey what can go wrong for Texas and I gave you the three things that concern me the coaching edge that you need to get from Sark development of Quinn Ewers and was the Gary Patterson factor bigger than we gave it credit for of course is the if the defense continues to make strides forward then you really feel like okay at this point PK's got it figured out and as their personnel continues to get better through recruiting you feel like that thing is really going to take off under his watch but at any rate uh you know We'll take your questions on Texas football. Also talk some Texas baseball. But we'll get to some Texas football feedback right now on the Specs text line. Uh, Stoner. Stoner has not been a big fan, Jack, of just wanting to praise Sark. And and Stoner has concerns about Sark. Namely that, uh, he said, hasn't produced as an OC slash play caller, hasn't produced as a quarterback developer. Uh, Those will torpedo a lot of talent advantage. Just as much as an advantage uh, there can overcome being talent deficient. I agree with that 100%. Offense is one side of the ball where a really good scheme and a quarterback, not necessarily a great transcendent quarterback, but a quarterback that complements and fits that scheme at a very high level can mask a lot of personnel deficiencies. Offense is the one side of the ball where you can do that. Mike Leach did it for years at Texas Tech. And we've seen other programs do it. Like, I can look at some of the Baylor quarterbacks Art Bryles had. Like, did Nick Florence do anything after he left Baylor? Did Bryce Petty do much of anything after he left Baylor? Uh, you know, all those all those guys that they had. Uh, you know, we've seen it. A lot of it is is guys that are in the the offenses that can you can trace back some of it's their roots to the air raid offense. Some of those quarterbacks tend to struggle. Although we've seen air raid quarterbacks now be number one draft picks and Super Bowl MVPs and Super Bowl winners, so a lot of that. And now I've had my rant about system quarterbacks and whatever, so I won't. I'll just direct you to the uh, the the Horn uh, Instagram account if you want to go back and, or actually my Instagram account at Jeff Howe two four seven on Instagram. I've got my system quarterback the uh, rant little discussion pinned on my Instagram account if you want to go check that out. But I digress. Uh, you know, we saw, like I said, we saw Mike Leach do it for years. We've seen other guys do it. You can mask a lot of deficiencies. Defense is the one side of the ball, though. You can't mask talent deficiencies. You can, you can have some exotics and you can do some different things. But to me, that's the thing. That's the difference. Especially like I, I think about Oklahoma in 2019, Jack, when they got in the playoff and went and played LSU in the Peach Bowl. That Oklahoma team wasn't a bad team in 2019, but 
we kind of saw their one deficiency. They just lack, they just didn't have depth on defense. They had a couple of pieces that were nice, just didn't have depth. And man, when they when they went and played LSU in the Peach Bowl, they got flat out exposed up front. Really, and that offensive line was a good offensive line, but they got exposed on both sides just for their lack of depth defensively and LSU's front seven depth really just wore Oklahoma down. That game was never really close. And again, that was one of the LSU offense. It's one of the more prolific offenses we've seen in college football, maybe ever. Like it's right up there with 05 Texas and you know, you can look at the other prolific offenses that have been, you know, that Auburn offense with Cam Newton in twenty ten. That LSU offense was on fire. Sark's offense with Bama in twenty twenty was another one of those offenses. But you know, you can mask your deficiencies as Stoner points out, but you know, well, I don't. I wouldn't even say at this point Sark has torpedoed anything that Texas had going on the offensive side of the ball. I I like Sark's scheme. I actually like Sark as an offensive mind. I think you look at his opening scripts, uh, some of the stuff, some of the stuff he calls within the flow of the game. I would just like to see the good stuff Sark does, and this isn't like the just call the touchdown play discussion. The stuff you see when he when his offense is really rolling, kind of those signatures, those hallmarks of a Steve Sarkeesian offense. Targets to motion, you know, multi-back sets, using the running backs. You know, you're not just over-relying on the deep ball. You're letting guys get the ball in space, uh, getting guys the ball in, in the middle of the field on crosses where they can catch it on the run. All that stuff we talk about, you know, the unbalanced line sets, we've seen, whether it's that 6-0 line package or, you know, shifting guys over, whatever it is, those hallmarks that we see in the Steve Sarkeesian offense, I just want to see those more often. Like, we've talked about a lot, about it a lot on Longhorn Blitz, Jack. You know, we've, seen, we've seen Sark, we'll see a play call in, in a game where uh, one of the play calls I love, and we've seen him do this a couple of different times, you know, they'll be in, like, let's say 11 personnel. They'll shift the wide receiver into the backfield and then throw that wide receiver like a little flat route. And the receiver's open every time. It was the one that Casey Kane ripped off a big play on it in the bowl game. They've done it with X a few times. They'll do that play, like, once a game, and it'll it'll get huge yards. It'll be a chunk yardage play, and you never go back to it. I'm like, okay, shouldn't you, shouldn't you maybe do that again? Just, like, mix it in a little bit more? And... You know, I think about like when Brian Harson was the offense coordinator at Texas, and I know Brian Harson had his faults. There was that Kansas game where he said he couldn't get Marquise Goodwin the ball because it wasn't on the right hash mark, and I about just lost it on an episode of Longhorn Blitz because I was flabbergasted. Like, you got a guy, I got a guy who's got literally world class speed, who's an Olympic level athlete, and you got to make sure the ball's on the right hash mark. I don't care what hash mark it's on, just get him the damn ball. But Marquise Goodwin was drastically underused, and that's drama for another day. But the one thing, one thing I, I came to like about Brian Harson. And every offensive coordinator, there's, as my late father was fond of saying, there's a lot of different ways to skin the cat. Every offensive coordinator has a different way of going about it. Brian Harson loved to set stuff up. He called them, you know, silver bullets he had in his game plan, whether it was a, a deep shot or, or most often not, it was going to be some kind of play action deep shot or a trick play. He would hammer a simple concept like outside zone, boom, boom, just hammer outside zone. And it's like, it, it almost, it's not, you know, it might be getting one or two yards of shots. Like, why does he keep hammering outside zone? Well, he's hammering outside zone because he's going to run some kind of play action off of it or some kind of trick play off of it. He's going to set something up, and you'll see it later in the game. You'll be like, oh, that's why they ran outside zone to the right side 15 times to set up this one play that went for a 60-yard touchdown. And I'm not saying Sark has to do that, but I just it just seems like sometimes Sark is just kind of calling plays 
and there's no real like rhyme or reason why he's doing it. It's just I, I don't know, Jack. Am I being too critical? I just feel like I want to see more. I want to feel like I understand the method to the madness when I watch. Like in Sark's opening scripts, you definitely see it. You can tell what he's trying to get accomplished. But within the flow of the game, I just kind of want to get to the end of a Steve Sarkeesian game and be like, yeah, I understood the method to the madness there. You see it sometimes. I just don't think you see it consistently enough. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, from year one and year two, we didn't totally see the second half woes be rectified. I mean, just collapse after collapse, it felt like throughout especially uh, that first season, but even in year two. I think you're right when it, it seems like not only does the script get more conservative as the games go along, it seems like the, the play designs, like what they're trying to throw at a defense, trying to move pieces all over the field, run interesting routes out of the backfield with running backs, it seems like you see that less as the game goes on. It's yeah. Remember the, the old the Turtle Tom criticism I think you can say the same thing for Sark in in some ways yeah I where I where I don't think Sark and Tom Herman are like is Tom Herman a lot of times just sometimes just wanted to line up and play just play meathead football absolutely I don't I don't get that with Sark as much but I do feel like I, to me it comes back to again a topic we talked if you're not a subscriber to the Longhorn Blitz podcast you can get over to horns247.com and and you know Click the podcast drop down or anywhere you get your podcast. If you're an Apple podcast, Spotify, whatever, just search Horns 24-7. You click that follow button. You get every episode of the Longhorn Blitz podcast when it drops in the feed. Oh, by the way, no Longhorn Blitz next week. We're taking the week off for the 4th of July, but we'll have our big mailbag episode on July 11th. But we talked a lot about it on on the Longhorn Blitz podcast when we talk about Sark as a play caller. You know, Again, we talked about needing to see some of those signatures more often. And one of those signatures is creativity in the run game. And I think the the example I go back to, maybe at this point it's unfair to keep, keep going back to it, Jack, but I go back to the Oklahoma game, Sark's first year, where you you saw what the you saw what they were trying to get accomplished. They had the big lead, and Sark wanted to put the ball in the hands of Bijan and Roshan and finish that game off running the football. The problem was they really were trying to just stick with one or two basic zone concepts. And Oklahoma, you know, Alex Grinch at that point was like, look, we're just going to sell out every single play trying to stop their zone run game. And, you know what, if we give up a touchdown, we're going to give it up anyway. Or maybe we'll get lucky and get a couple of negative plays and then they're behind the chains and then we actually have a chance to stop them. And Sarkom, it almost felt like in the process of trying to play to his strength, and put the ball in his hands of his running back, you actually ended up playing to the, to the to really what was the only option Oklahoma had to try to win the game at that point. So I just feel like when when Sark is at his best, and what, and especially going back to your point with wondering, hey, which of these backs is going to step up? I, I keep saying it, and Cameron and I were kind of on the same page with this. If Texas is going to have a 1,000-yard back, if they're going to have that workhorse back, I think it's going to be Jonathan Brooks because I think he's going to get every opportunity to try to be that guy. But you don't have the luxury of just knowing – how Bijan and Roshan could maximize runs, you need to be more creative in your run game. You need to have zone concepts. You need to have pin-pull concepts. You need to have gap concepts. You need to have a diverse run game. You need to be able to run it out of 11 personnel, out of 12 personnel, out of an extra O-line package, out of multi-back sets, with motion, uh, with you know leveraging your formation different ways. You've got to be able to mix it up a little bit because you just can't turn around and just think, yeah, regardless of of what the defense throws at you, whatever look you're in, you know, you, you can, whatever look you show them, 
your running back is going to get you four or five yards just because they're that good and they can maximize runs. A lot of that's going to fall on the offensive line too, uh, but I, I do think diversity in the run game is going to be really big. Uh, so we're getting some really good feedback on the Specs text line, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to this in the top of hour number two. Uh, Robert and Giddings and uh, you know Daryl, I see you chipped you you chipped in your, some of your thoughts also. Uh, Stoner, obviously, we got into some of yours. I, I do want to get to some of this, though. Don't want to let these good thoughts, these good takes go to waste. So we'll get to that at the top of hour two. But right now, we got to hit the break. We've got Inconceivable closing out hour number one next. But right now, we're going to give away our copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine for today. And, you know, I just, I kind of want to give Jumping Jack Farrell a challenge, get those phone lines light, lighten up. So, That'd be caller 12. Caller number 12, 447-3776. Be caller 12 right now, and you win a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. We'll be back with Inconceivable to close out our number one here on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.